0: Welcome to the Heart Centered Therapist podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together, My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. For those who don't know me, I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host, and welcome back. If you've already listened before, I really appreciate you being a part of this heart-centered community. Today I have with me Holly Bertone. Holly is a midlife comeback coach, motivational speaker, number one Amazon best-selling author, and host of the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast. Holly spent 20 years in consulting and federal government service, primarily at the FBI, where she was a chief of staff for counterintelligence. Holly was also a competitive mountain bike racer until her world came crashing down from health issues. After struggling with breast cancer, autoimmune disease, and debilitating chronic fatigue, she created a unique methodology to heal herself. Holly now helps women discover their own comeback story when facing adversity in life. She offers individual and group coaching programs as a transformational mindset coach. With over 250 appearances, her mission is to help you get through the tough times with greater resilience and to turn your struggle into your greatest strength. We all need someone like Holly in our lives, and I'm so grateful you came on my show today. Welcome, Holly.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Cindy, for having me on the show. and I'm really excited to be here and, and really connect with your listeners.
0: Yes, me as well. And your history is so compelling. We're going to dive into it. But first, this is the standard question I ask all my guests. What does being heart-centered mean to you?
1: Oh my goodness. I love this question. And I was actually thinking of this today, and I actually had this conversation today with someone. And I said, I think when we are called to become healers, whether that's with therapy or coaching. And, and I think we're given bigger tests. And I think it's almost like we oftentimes we go through these struggles and oftentimes that is the reason that we do the work that we do to help others. And I think sometimes too, we go through these trials, not realizing what's on the other side. And I think we're given these trials to rise up to that place where we can be in a position to be that light for others. And every single morning, I just thank God and just say, hey, how can I be the light today? And really, from that perspective is how I view heart-centered service is to show up in the light to show up in that place where I can serve with my heart, but also show up in that place where I understand that the trials are a part of the journey.
0: That is so brilliant. And I really love the piece of bringing in the service because it is about how we serve from the heart. And I know you're going to talk more about that reframe when we have so much struggle and suffering and adversity. But I think all of my listeners will really relate to that. A lot of us come into the field of therapy because we've gone through our own struggles and our own dark nights of the soul. And so then we want to help others with that. So I love how you say your struggle is your strength. And that seems to really guide your work now with women.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think too, it's looking at, and I'm probably jumping way ahead of myself, but we can look at our trauma responses as that place of the victimhood or the woe is me or the thing that's wrong with me, or we can just turn the coin over and look at the other side. And it really is our superpower if we lean into it. And, and I think for me personally, one of One of my trauma responses is to be the diplomat because I wanted to be liked. That was a trauma response. But when you flip that coin and you can show up in a situation where you can, it's not from a place of I need to be liked, but from a place of I can stand my own ground. I can know who I am and what I believe in. And I can also see someone else's viewpoint and perspective and not get triggered or not try to convince them to think the way I think, to actually just hold that space for them and respect their opinion as much as I respect my own. So, you know, that right there is an example of, especially in our line of work, and I'm just going to say right now, I'm a coach and I know most of your listeners are therapists, so I'm just going to use an inclusive or this is our stuff that we do. So, yeah, but I think just in our line of work, it's so important for us to view that from our own perspective too, the stuff that we've gone through and just turn the coin over. What Mm -hmm. makes that our superpower?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even going from that example, which is such a great example of being a diplomat because the original instinct is because I want to be liked and yet maybe turning it around also, I can connect. I can be a connector, right? There's so many different ways that you can flip that coin and turn it around and use it in a different way that's going to serve others and allow you to hold your ground and have that resilience. I know a lot of times we talk about what is the vicarious resilience or resilient growth from post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress. So yeah. And thank you for sharing that, that you're a coach and you come by solid background, And there are a lot of therapists who listen to this, who also do coaching on the side. And we learn from everyone. That's what I believe also is part of our heart-centered approach, that we are open to receiving and learning. And that's really important.
1: And I appreciate that you said that. And we were talking before we hit record. I said, why on earth am I going to say? Therapists like, we we know this stuff. and I And then I said, you know what? I was like, I don't know about anyone else listening, but I am my own worst client. So for me, it's easier to listen to, to someone else than to take my own
0: advice. Absolutely. My hand is up too, Holly. I am the worst at following the advice that I give others or the things that I know are best to do. And yet we as therapists long for this. we are going to talk about mindset and shifts and you work with women who are like trying to come back from different transitions and obstacles in their life. And so many of us, I know, are hungry for this because when we can help ourselves more, then we can serve more. Absolutely. Again, it's that heart-censored approach. So yeah, but okay, I have never had a guest and I probably never will, whoever worked for the FBI. Oh my so goodness. <laughs> tell me about this. Like, how do you go from this stressful, high executive government position working with the FBI to what you're doing now?
1: Oh my goodness. It was, so when I was 17 and I'm in with like-minded people, so I'm actually going to dig into the story for a second. Normally I don't go this deep. When I was 17, I was a senior in high school and we had to do like a, and this is a high school level thesis, but we got to pick any topic and write about it. So I wanted to do mine on psychology. And this was back in, oh, I'm going to date myself, but 1988.
0: Okay. I graduated
1: in 89. Still older so than this you. Was, yeah. So this was before Silence of the Lambs came out. And I decided that I wanted to do a psychological profile on Charles Manson
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> at the age of 17, right? So that was my senior high school thesis. And my teacher was like, okay, if you don't major in psychology, when you go to college, something's wrong. with you." And it really just that was the catalyst. And it was a dream from that point on that I wanted to work for the FBI wanted to get into behavioral analysis. I ended up not working in behavioral analysis, but I did work for the FBI uh, for quite a few years. And it really was a dream come true to be able to Rise up through the ranks. and this was post nine eleven that that mm-hmm. I was there, and some some really important work and and then especially to be brought in as the chief of staff was huge. And especially I was pretty young. I was I think I was thirty seven mm-hmm. when I got promoted, and just some fun, fun work, some important work, some disturbing work, some mm-hmm. stressful work, all packaged together. And what had happened was in two thousand and ten, everything changed. Mm. And that's when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my. And I went through the the traditional surgery, chemo, radiation. And then what happened was I never got better. My Mm. health just kept getting worse and worse. And then I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it was, it was just a tornado, in my body. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm. And the autoimmune disease and the lasting effects from chemo turned into debilitating chronic fatigue to the point where I was basically all but bedridden. Mm. And I was so sick that I was forced to resign. Oh, my. So this was my dream job and I had to say goodbye. And it was a ton of tears and just, it was rock bottom because All of my self-worth, and this was back in 2017, but all of my self-worth was in that place of I am successful. If I am successful and I have this successful career, then I have value. I was married at the time. I was raising a stepson. I'm married. Therefore, I need to be a successful wife and a successful stepmother and all these things. And that's where I was drawing my value. And I was all but bedridden. This was rock bottom, and so it wasn't just that I didn't have the help to to live a normal life. It was that my value was stripped from me. I just let it go, and I think as and especially as women, I think the stories that we hear growing up are are typically one of three stories: we're either the smart one, the pretty one, or Sometimes, unfortunately, the good-for-nothing one. Hmm. And my story growing up was that I was the smart one. And so I my entire value was based on how successful I was. And that was profound to hit that level of rock bottom. Again, not just from a place of physical health, but just not having value. And I marinated in my misery for months And finally, and there, it wasn't like a light shone shining or any kind of big epiphany. I just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm not okay doing this. This is not going to be the rest of my life. And this was back in, like I said, 2017 and functional medicine wasn't as big as it is today. And I did it the long, hard road. And as they say, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And I had two individuals almost immediately come into my life. One from a physical and one from an emotional perspective and together, and it took years. It took years of a lot of work. And I figured out a way to heal myself, to come out on the other side in doing. So went through several certifications as a health coach Mm -hmm. and really decided that this is what I love to do, but there's a lot of health coaches out there. And I think what sets me apart is really that mindset piece because so I think there's a lot of protocols and and then I also think there's a lot of mindset coaches like really good health coaches and really good mindset coaches but coming into this from a place of a project management background plus my own healing journey and loving that mindset piece really to combine everything to To go backwards before we go forwards and to really look at those habits and behaviors and patterns and all of the things rather than here's a protocol. Yeah. So I think that's what sets myself apart, but then also combines that whole background at the FBI and being in project management and what I absolutely love to do now with my students and my clients. Mm-hmm.
0: Holly, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing that part of your story and my listeners can't see, but you are vibrant now and, and you look vibrant and so much energy and healthy and that's wonderful. And I've, I'm a big person who's like getting those vibes of what somebody else's energy is. And holly has got pink headphones on. It's awesome. So she is really thriving now. And you feel that when you're sitting with her, just like I do right now. And I think you do maybe like a health coach doesn't sound like you. I think that undersells you a little bit because you've been a student of pattern and psychology and behavior. I mean your work with the FBI is outstanding and and thank you for your civil service to this country. Thank That's you. amazing and to have that kind of background sets you apart because you are such such an observer also of human behavior and of just who we are, what we do, like yeah. what makes people tick. And so then you take that combined with your own personal struggles and experiences to help women and to help other people get through some things that they, they're they ready for the teacher and you show up. Yeah. So it really, it's really a really remarkable shift career-wise. And I love how you have also in the backdrop there, gratitude builds fortitude. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me a little about that and I know that's the name of your podcast and it's strong. Gratitude builds fortitude.
1: It is. That's the I've got two po- podcasts. I've got a private podcast and a public po- podcast. It's hard to say. <laughs> a lot of peas. But yeah, Gratitude Builds Fortitude is my public podcast and the kind of crux of that is that my mother's life mantra when my entire life I always heard her say it builds fortitude and I adopted that when I was going through my health struggles thinking, oh, you have to stay strong. And it's about that strong mental attitude and that I'm staying tough, stop staying strong and staying tough and all of that. And what I realized, and this was after she passed away, was that it wasn't the toughness that makes the mental resilience. It's the gratitude because we can be grateful for the good things that happen in life, it's easy to be grateful for the good stuff, but it's difficult to be grateful when the bad stuff happens. So the gratitude is really what I think sets people apart when they can be grateful for the storms in life. And that is really what builds that mental resilience is that we're all going to have the storms in life. It's just what happens is that the gratitude builds fortitude ethos. It, it really means that the length of being in that storm, it's not as long. And the depth of those dark times aren't as deep. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that reminds me of something you said earlier that I think is so significant, Holly, about like those three ways that often girls or or young women are raised or the roles were, were put into, right? The smart one, the pretty one, or not so good for anything one. And then also we fight so hard. We have, we use that fortitude or we strive. You were, are such a high achiever, but that high achieving side of you from your excellence in career to your competition in sports and all of that just made you push, push. And then when your body gave out, what was that like for you? Because that's part of the identity just dropping away.
1: Yeah. And and that's a lot of what I teach and I coach because so many women I think we're just programmed to do it all. Like we don't realize that we have an alternative. We work and so many of us are in service positions in the work that we do. And then we come home at the end of the day, even if home means walking out of our home office and yeah. and we have families. And then depending on your age, maybe aging parents and we we give and we give and we drive for that perfection. And then what happens on the other side of that is that we forget to fill our own cups. Mm -hmm. And that drive creates so much stress that creates at some point over years can create a disease state in our bodies. We don't realize it. And it's causing that inflammation and the increased cortisol. And I always like to say it's, it's the difference between listening to, and I love Spotify, no no offense to the Apple people. Like it's a difference between listening to your favorite song on Spotify or even listening to a playlist versus going to a concert. Mm-hmm. And what I think so often is that we view all of the stresses in our life like a playlist, like a song, like it is a one- and it's a standalone thing but what happens is that when we live this and I'm living proof (laughs) when we live this kind of adrenaline junkie lifestyle or we're super givers and we give to everyone and we're people pleasers and we do all of the things and we feel like we have to do it and we have to do it right and we have to do it all it's like our body is at a concert 24 7 with the bright lights and the music and the drinking and the dancing and the singing and all of this excitement and we're amped up. And we all know when we come home from a concert, it's like the worst night's sleep ever because our body's like still amped up.
0: I know I'm drowning over here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I think that's what I went through thinking that, and I think sometimes too, we just put our heads in the sand. like We just pretended it doesn't exist. We just plow through it. And, and that's really the difference between the two is that we really need to remember that what we're doing, they're not singular events, that mm-hmm. it's putting our body at a concert 24 seven. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have, it may, it may not be today or tomorrow or next month or next year, but long-term, it's not going to have good consequences.
0: And even as you say that, I'm not kidding when I say I'm drowning over here because It resonates so much, even personally for myself, that sense of trying to do it all, trying to succeed. Oh, I'm behind with this. Oh, I didn't catch up on this to-do list yet. Things with my family, caring for elderly parents, things like that, and just the stress that it can create. And so I think there's so many other people out there. We come by it honestly, right? Yeah. We have been societally conditioned to prioritize other people over ourselves, especially women. So we do that. Then we also want to be high achievers because maybe we fit into one of those categories. Or if we don't fit into the category of being perfectly smart or perfectly pretty, we're going to try really hard to do both those things. Yeah. So it's this lose-lose. You can't fix us all and give us all the the solutions, but where do you start with women who come in and say, yeah, I am pretty shot. My nervous system is pretty shot right now.
1: Yeah. And I think too, and I'll get to that in a second, but I think too, what happens is that we forget the consequences, the unintended consequences of this is that it's not just the stress or not just doing all the things. But then our health takes a hit. We're not eating as healthy. It's easier to get takeout or it's easier to grab fast food on the way home or it's easier to just grab a candy bar at two o'clock in the afternoon when we crash or it's easier. And we're not, we don't have the time. So we make choices that are quicker when it comes to eating or we're stressed. So then we numb it out with comfort food or- We don't get a good night's sleep. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to exercise today. I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll I'll actually answer your question with a story that literally just happened to me this week. Hmm. And it was over a course of 48 hours. And it was like four or five different things with my business that hit all at once. Now, I'm a cancer survivor. I could be brave. And I could say, you know what, nothing is ever going to could be compared to what I went through. But at that moment in time, the stuff that you go through, and especially when everything hits at once, you're like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And so I was I, I felt myself like going through the emotions, like I felt myself starting to spiral and starting to go to that place, and reaching for the comfort food. And I have it in my hand. And I do the exercise, I actually have a an entire private podcast, we actually go through this exercise of the the 60 seconds of how to actually control your cravings. Mm. And there's one of three outcomes. And I'll tell you right now, the first outcome mm. is that you can put it down. The second outcome is it takes a minute, but you're going to put it down. The third outcome is you're still going to eat it, right? There's three outcomes. Yeah. It, it can't be any more. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I actually did the you exact did the same. Exercise. I did my own thing. And I'm looking at it. and I'm like, you know what? I am stressed, and I'm actually – I just want to comfort eat. I just want to numb right now. So I very consciously did it. And then fast forward, I woke up the next day, and I was like, not today. No. Mm-hmm. So I spent extra time in silence, meditation, prayer. I did my morning thing, and I still didn't feel good. I was still in the feels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah. And, and I know I'm a preacher to the choir. I know we've all been through this, and I know we've got That's clients that okay. like through this, me? right? We are here for it. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so I went through my own. I I like to say crayons. I I always tell my students and my clients like crayons in a coloring box, in a crayon box. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pick the crayon out and I'm going to choose how I'm going to color today. And I knew the kind of day that I was going to have. And I was like, I could choose to pick how I'm going to show up. And however, which one ever I choose, consciously or subconsciously, my brain is going to decide to have that kind of day for me. And it was almost like a battle, right? And I was like, no, this is not a battle. This needs to just go through my body. So I just started picking out different crayons and just started coloring. And I'm talking imaginary crayons, not real ones. But here's what happened was as I was doing this, and this was like, I don't know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I can't call my coach. I can't call my therapist. I can't call my friend. Like, it's way too early in the morning for that. Like, I got to deal with this myself. I was like, I really want to set myself up for a good day. Can I just tell you by 7 o'clock in the morning, I had six servings of fruits and vegetables. I did my strength training. I walked two miles, right? Right. So by making these choices, by experimenting with the crayons that I'm pulling out of the box, right? Which is
0: metaphorical. It was like yes, a meditative it's,
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I decided that I am going to have a good day. And at the end of the day, all of the situations that I was experiencing were resolved either from a neutral perspective or from a better than I expected perspective. Mm-hmm. And I actually shared this with my students at my program. I sent them an eight minute message and I was like almost walking them through real time as I was going through it myself, which is something I I never do. I never share that rawness of I always wait till I'm on the other side and get the lesson. But I was like, I want them to experience what it's like to go through this in real time and how I'm making the choices and how, okay, this isn't working. So let's try this. And they said it was one of the most powerful exercises just to be able to have a front row seat to what it actually looks like in real time. And I was just, I was like, wow, this was the first time I was that raw and vulnerable in front of my students. And I was like, this is actually cool because it really, we're not exempt just because we have therapists or coach behind our name. We're not exempt from the bad days.
0: No, not at all. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And you got so much traction from sharing your reality and that raw place with your clients and like letting them in and connecting with you. And that can be so powerful. And I think that's it's a really important distinction too for anybody listening that's wanting to make some changes in your life. And most of us have therapists, maybe fewer of us have coaches, or maybe you have a business coach, but not a personal mindset coach, or you have a private practice coach, but not a more personalized coach. This is how it can be so different. That beautiful example that Holly just gave us of that being right there with you and sharing ways that it works for them in real time. We can't get that from so many other professions. You just can't. And so that's why we have coaches in sports because they're right there with you on the field or on the track or wherever it is. And that is one of the beauties of when it's somebody that you trust and and admire and feel like there's an alignment that it can work so well. And the other thing You've got me on a soapbox here, but (laughs) that is so hard, I think, for us when we can't make those choices or we're getting really overwhelmed is that we don't think that we're worthy. And I think that gratitude builds fortitude sign that you have reminds us to tune back into our worthiness just as we are, whether we're achieving everything or we're just having a medium day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and our brain is always going to go find what we tell it to find. Mm-hmm. Whether that's consciously or unconsciously. That's let's, let's I'm having a bad day and I'm spiraling, the brain's like, okay, let's go find more bad stuff to pile on. We know that. And we yeah. know that we know that as
0: therapists, one yeah. thing that I think you said that was so brilliant was what if I can make it neutral? That you had a result that was neutral. And I think we don't typically look for that. I don't know if that's part of your FBI training, but that sounded very new to me. Because we're usually like good or not so good, but Mm -hmm. neutral is different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even, and I also, really the biggest place for me is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps with that neutrality. It just doesn't put a label on it. It doesn't put morality on it. It just keeps it neutral. And looking at it from that place of curiosity and what can this be or what's the lesson or what do I get to learn or... I wonder what's on the other side of this. And even going through my divorce, I went through a divorce last year Mm -hmm. and the same thing. And I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure I say divorce, like everyone's thinking, oh yeah, the client, that client, (laughs) right? Like we all have the, just the bitterness and the pettiness and the anger and the revenge and just all of this yucky stuff that comes up after divorces. And I was like, this is not Okay. And I made a very conscious decision that I was not going to go through my divorce in that perspective. And the very first thing I did was look in the mirror and I took personal responsibility. And instead I was like, it would have been easy to be like, oh yeah, it's all his fault. hundred percent. All his fault. I'm perfect. Of course I'm perfect. No, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to play the blame game. I'm just going to look in the mirror. I'm going to take responsibility for my part in the marriage, for my part in the divorce, And that right there set the stage for everything. Mm -hmm. And that place of not just responsibility, but then back to the curiosity, it took the wind out of the sail and it just made it very, it was still heart wrenching. It was a divorce. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't a robot, but it took that all that emotional spin out of it and really helped to put it in a place of neutrality where I could show up, where that phone and I see his name coming through, I didn't have a visceral reaction. I was just like, oh, okay, he's calling, you know, like it would have been a friend or whatever. And to be able to go through a divorce of that perspective, that peace of mind was priceless.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And it's a place that you came to, right, from evolving through the different struggles that you had been. And I can just tell from your energy that you were able to use that in a way to make it a gift so that you would get through this hard time and move on. And we even shared now you're building a special studio in your house and like really cool things. There's so much joy that still comes up. That's one thing about you, like the joy still comes up. And on Holly, the other thing that you just said, what I, which I just want to underscore for the listeners too, is about that neutrality and curiosity is we apply that for our clients all the time in order to sit with them, in order to be non-judgmental, nonjudgmental, yeah. less so with ourselves. And so that example with a divorce is so great for us to take in. How can we apply it to ourselves in a struggle that we're going through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to show up in a place of pure potential for my clients, but it's, I'm on my own calls with, I, and I've got a coach and a therapist. I've got. To- <laughs> Yeah. I need extra help. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on my call and I'm all in my stuff and my mess and my limiting beliefs and everything like that. And then I just turn it off and jump on with a client and I am fully present for their pure potential. I was like, how does that work <laughs> that we're in that. so much of our stuff, but we can turn it off and just show up completely for them.
0: <laughs> we can. We are so good at that. And I think especially women, we're so good at turning that off and showing up. Oh, yeah. Love that pure potential though. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Let's switch for a minute because another thing that you share is around suffering and you say there's three parts to the suffering cycle and maybe I think that'd be really helpful for us to learn about.
1: Yeah. And I just, I called it the suffer cycle just because it just seemed to make sense. And I think throughout, not just with the cancer and the autoimmune and all of the things that I've been through, and I've really realized something profound. And that is that going through the difficult times is universal, but there's a very specific reason why some people suffer more than others. And really the th- three parts is how the suffering begins, how it grows, and then how it debilitates us. And I talked to, I think a little bit about all of this throughout. So I'll try to tie the thread together is that when that thing happens. It doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could be traffic. It could be a bad customer service call, whatever. And what do we do? We ruminate about it. We think about it over and over again and we replay it. And then we call our best friend and we tell the story and then we hang up and we don't feel better. So we call best friend number two, mm-hmm. who usually thinks they're best friend number one, so we won't say anything. <laughs> and But the thing is we tell the story verbatim and then we hang up the phone. We don't feel any better. We talk to our spouse, we talk to our friend, like, we just replay it over and over again. And then what happens is that there's hundreds of these back to the Spotify playlist versus the concert. And then what happens is that this grows and our body, the, we all know the the autonomic nervous system. We've got our parasympathetic and our sympathetic, and we start living in that sympathetic stress state. And our body starts to talk to us, our our fight, flight, freeze, or fawn that we're all familiar with. And how many times though, like we do this all the time with our clients, but how many times do we actually look at ourselves and say, oh, yeah, that's my body talking to me. Mm -hmm. That's my body telling me something's not okay. We just like to ignore it and pretend, put our head in the sand and pretend it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. But that's our Body saying, hello, hey, trying okay. to give us pay attention, pay attention to me. <laughs> pay attention yeah. before pay attention I do
0: something really painful to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we start to numb ourselves. And and especially mm-hmm. as a mindset coach, as a health coach, to that's where those habits start to really kick in. And we start to then eat the food that's maybe not so healthy for us or reach for that diet soda in the afternoon or reach for that candy bar. Or at the end of the day, when we're just collapsed on the couch and our spouse or our kid or the dog or whatever need one more thing and we have nothing left in us, but we still get up and do the thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it all adds up and that's where it grows. And like I said, it may not be today, tomorrow, or next year, but if we continue down this path, at some point, it's going to turn into something. Yeah. And when it's not just one thing, it's the whole storm of thoughts, emotions, stress, food, environment, relationships, everything that just adds up on top of each other that will eventually, you know, I like to say that our world, our, we think that our world is going to collapse if we don't say yes. It, it's impossible. But, here, but the reality is that if we continue to say yes, that's when our world is really going to collapse.
0: Thank you for telling us that. And so these boundaries that we're not as capable of setting because we get so caught up in that spin cycle in that concert and in our own suffering but when we can start to see we don't have to say yes or we can have a support with us to say I got you you don't have to say yes this time and let's see what happens let's see what opportunities and pure potential might grow from that to use your words that's beautiful so do you see like intervening in this suffer cycle, like more in the beginning so that we unstick ourselves from having those thoughts and retelling the story and calling best friend one and two and so on? Is that, yeah, where, is I, that where you take action?
1: I, I love to be the pattern interrupt. And <laughs> when I think so often, like I said, we just stick our head in the sand and we're, we just pretend that it's not going to affect us. And I really like to be the pattern interrupt because the sooner that we can stop it on that suffer cycle and the sooner we can address it, the sooner we can flip that flip that switch and reverse the suffer cycle and really start that momentum of healthy habits. And I think routine is a big piece of that too. And and I talk about, call it comeback coach. And, and I love like the whole concept of the 80s montage movies and just the, the comeback story and everything like that. And when I think what happens is that we, we view like that comeback, like we have the stuff that happens, right? Okay. I'm going to make things better. And we view it like, like the three minute long eighties movie montage, which is great. And that comeback is possible. But what happens is that if we start that comeback story from that place of the suffer cycle, where we're in that demise, Our brain brings us what we look for. So when the reticular activation, reticular activating system is firing on all cylinders. So when we start that from that place of demise, what's going to happen is that we're going to come right back to where we were. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to, I think, to have that pattern interrupt as early as possible to really start to, I like to say, to to unclog the drain, right? Mm-hmm. To get rid of the sludge first and to really start that from a blank slate, from that place of love and forgiveness and happiness and gratitude and all of those happier, more positive, colorful emotions on the more positive side and to start it from there. And then that's when things start to grow. That's when the habits start to stick. Think about it. If you're like, oh, I need to lose 20 pounds or I have to go on this diet or I have to go to the gym. Oh, who wants to do that? No, no one, right? <laughs> yeah. But when it's when it becomes a part of us, when it actually becomes a part of our lifestyle, we could get rid of that sludge and we could say, okay, now we have these routines in place. And that's what happened to me with this, this story I shared earlier. Yeah. Was that I had this these routines in place. And the next thing I knew it, I I already had all these healthy habits that I did and it wasn't even seven o'clock in the morning Hmm. and that started the day. Yes. And when you do that and you start your day in that way versus getting out of bed and like, I have to do this and I have to do that. And, you know, I've got all these things and all the like weight of the world on my shoulders, then that's how the day is going to proceed. So, yeah, so really it is being that pattern interrupt right at the beginning of that suffer cycle.
0: Yes. Yes. And again, you're so good at spotting patterns from all of your training and backgrounds, which is amazing, right? Like who better than you to do this work, oh, thank Holly? Thank
1: you.
0: And I love that you mentioned the reticular activating system and and for listeners, one of the best places I've Learn about that was really from Ed Milet's book. I don't know if you're a fan of the Ed Milet show, but he talks about it. And I think it's the power of one more really explains Mm. like how that can trap us. So it's really very positive mindset work. It's all connected. Like I just encourage everyone to just draw from whatever sources are going to help you live that, that full life that, that you deserve, right. That we are worthy of and that then we can show our gratitude for. So it's important. The routine thing, I'm a huge fan of routine, probably to a detriment. (laughs) But I'm wondering too, did that play a role for you in your resilience? Like you were high-level mountain bike competitive racer. And so there must have been a lot of rigor and routine and discipline involved in that, separate from your career in the FBI and, and all of that. So how did that kind of set you up for comeback?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Such a great question. And yeah, actually I was the only civilian on the Quantico Marine Corps mountain bike team at the time. Why? So it was like me and all these big, strong tough Marines. <laughs> so yeah, when you talk about the discipline and the routine and everything, it wasn't just on a mountain bike team. I was mountain biking with the Marines. So yeah, they were pretty tough and they didn't, they did not give me any grace for being female or being a civilian. I was one of them.
0: And you didn't (laughs) let them drop you either.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. I actually, I actually just interviewed Hal Elrod on, you were talking about Ed Millette, and I haven't read his book yet, but I, I follow him on Instagram. I actually, I think I have his on, I should probably put it on my wish list on Audible, but I actually just interviewed Hal Elrod on my podcast and I got his book, The Miracle Morning in 2019. Mm-hmm. So I was still really in that place of trying to recover and heal. And I was always a personal development junkie, but when I got sick, I just forgot all about it because I was sick and I was drowning in my own misery. And really that was what got me back into the routine and got back, got me back into personal development. And honestly, I think the routine is what saved my life, like every single day, because when you have that, and it doesn't have to be the, the miracle morning that he does the savers, the silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, and then uh, journaling. So it doesn't have to be a whole big thing. But I think having those routines, when we do get those stressful times, is that we fall back on routine and we fall back on safety. And that's where our brain wants to go. Our, our brain wants to just go hide and just be safe and curl up in a blanket. And when we have those routines, that's where our brain wants to go. So I think when those routines are positive, like I said, I, it would have been easy for me to eat something unhealthy for breakfast or to skip my workout that day but I was so used to my routine. I was. It was almost like I wasn't even conscious when I was doing it. Like I'm literally putting on my shoes and I was like, oh, I'm putting on my shoes. I guess I'm going to go lift it. So yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's extremely important to, to have that in place.
0: Yeah. And it's helpful also for us to hear this as a reminder for the people we work with too, that we can let them know. You don't have to be super mindful of it. It could be even something that starts automatically you put on your shoes or you have your shoes there it's so funny that you said you're a personal development junkie right so i think we should all raise our hands and say (laughs) okay to be in that club but that's because we want so much we want so much for everyone including ourselves to live our best lives and these are also really great ways that therapists can help their clients because sure we're going to deal with psychodynamic issues and trauma but we also want people to function on the daily basis because that's really being in the present and where we experience experience joy and that feeling of aliveness. And so I think personal development is extremely important, mindset is extremely important. And finding ways, like you said, Holly, to create your comeback. So is there some advice that we could you could give to end on for our listeners about creating their comeback story, somebody who's been through any kind of adversity, what would you say in terms of starting somewhere? Having Oh hope- my
1: goodness. Oh my goodness. Was, we've oh. been through so much today. I can't think I of anything else to say, but really just, like I said, our break back to actually, you know what, back to the personal development junkie, my my gateway drug was Stephen Covey, you know, mm-hmm. Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. So that was what got me started. And Everything's created twice, it's created in our mind, and then it's created in reality. And really, when we are going through those times when we want to create that comeback, when we're not sure where to start, we go within. Mm -hmm. And we start that in our mind first, and knowing that it's going to manifest at some point in reality. And having that choice, we talked about earlier, okay, I can either do this consciously or unconsciously. And I'd rather tell myself the lie that everything's going to be okay versus tell myself the lie that everything's not going to be okay.
0: With that also, you're such a great role model. And we might also say, look to Holly. She's just really opens her vest and shared with us from her high-level career to struggling with cancer and so many health issues and rising above that. And then creating a new career where she gets to empower women and help women and be really upfront and vulnerable as you do that. And that's such a great lesson for us, right? And it gives us this hope that there are so many ways that we can be in this world. And you, of course, you got through divorce, like you've gotten through so much. And you talk about it instead of hiding it. And that's, mm-hmm. I really acknowledge you for that. So
1: oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's just, I think it's easy to talk about things on the other side of it. And I think we also, especially in our profession, we have to be careful talking about it when we're going through it. But I think too, if we can talk about it while we're going through it from a place of empowerment, that's really, I think that's really a good place to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And again, another reason that you came on this show was to give folks an example of like, you can talk to somebody in real time. And I think that is so important. The role of a coach can be so different than a therapist in a very healing way. Therapists are super important. No doubt. I'm a therapist. True and true. But there is this. I have both, so we could all have both. So on my
1: own special snowflake. (laughs) Yeah,
0: look for what might help you. Right, this is all about when you're struggling. And Holly so graciously shared her different struggles. Find somebody who can understand you and walk with you and guide you, because you deserve more. You are worthy, and you can have that gratitude for the new opportunities that adversities is giving you, but we've got to get through that so that we can see it so we can get on the other side. So I really acknowledge you for the amazing work you've done in the world and you continue to do, Holly, and thank you for for coming on here. And please tell everyone where they can find you. We will link everything in the show notes. And I know you have also free gift for my listeners.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me on the show. And it's just been oh such a great conversation. And yeah, if you're listening, and you want to connect further, really, the next step, I've got a brand new, it's a private podcast, it doesn't even have a title, it's just called private podcast. And to talk about the three mindset shifts. A lot of what we talked about today, going into those three mindset shifts to really ditch those gremlins, to talk about the some of these health hacks and things like that, to really take this conversation further. And I'm sure I'll leave the link in the show notes, but you can actually go to com. Yeah. I made it super easy to remember. And even if you're like, you forget, you're like, what was that podcast Holly was talking about? It's exactly that, podcast, podcast holly.com Holly. Simple yeah. Super simple. Yeah. So it's a brand new private podcast, totally free. So I really encourage you to to go there and continue the conversation. And then on Instagram at so Again, pretty easy to remember just my name at holly.bertone. And yeah, I answer all my DMs myself and just love to connect with you.
0: Yeah. And her website and LinkedIn is connected with Pink Fortitude. So there, how awesome is that? (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you again so much, Holly, and wish you all the best. And I can't wait to check out some of these resources and thank you for inspiring everyone here. Yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.